It's so big, Mr. Craig. Why, thanks, Mr. Jason. <laughs> Mr. Craig, that's the biggest bell I've ever seen. Well, some call it a bell curve. Mr. Craig, mm-hmm. who do we have today? Oh, Mr. Jason, let me tell you, we have Mr. Mies. <laughs> Master's Mega Millions Mentorship Over Money. Ramiz Hakim. <laughs> well, it's a doozy, isn't it? Buckle up, it's the Insurance Dudes Podcast. Boom! Boom. Oh, that was out of sync. That was out of sync. Oh, yeah. Remiz. Boom! Oh, look at that. <laughs> Remiz. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> How you doing, man? Well, welcome. I am great, guys. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to the conversation. Oh, so are we. And, and so your friends call you Miz. So we're gonna we're gonna call you Miz. Awesome. Great. Awesome. Cool, man. So so tell us a little bit about um, uh, where you are now. Whoa! Whoa. Beep, whoa. Beep, beep. I already back did it. The truck up. What are you doing, man? <laughs> I already did it. You did it, Craig. You what did I miss? Watched it. The first question is. What was the first concert that you went to? And we're talking way back, as far um, back as you can go. I, I look a lot older than my real age. And, so, <laughs> and I grew up in church. So uh, like my, first, my first concert was Casting Crowns, if you've ever even heard of that. Yeah, okay. totally. Yeah, so that's when they were just like up and coming. This would have been in like 99 or 2000 or something like that. Cool, man. Okay. I used to play in some tooth and nail bands, so uh, I was in that, that scene. There you go. That's cool. That oh. is cool. <laughs> I like that one. So take There's us a... back. Like, what? Oh, gotcha. My, uh, that's, that's I don't have fun, my mic on. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, well, take us way back. So take us back. You, um, you, you're, you're, uh, own North Star, right? Insurance Advisors. Right. Founded that. But take us back before that, and how in the heck did you end up in this industry, and why? Well, I mean, I think my, I feel like my story really uh, mimics a lot of the same people. Like nobody ever really grows up <laughs> and thinks like, "Oh, I can't wait to get into debt and go to college and then be an intro." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, I was I was in college and I was studying to be a a minister or a teacher and I just ran out of money. It just wasn't my time. And so I had to make up, make money quick. Uh, my family was kind of counting on me to start providing in some ways. This is my, this would have been my mother and my brother, my siblings. And so um, always had a way with words. And so I thought to myself, man, I got to really get in the sales. So my first job was in the insurance business. And as you know, in the insurance business, like, Everybody is always hiring. Well, I didn't know that. And so I'm like, dude, I am like the man. Everybody just wants to offer me a job. Uh, but so you jump around a couple times till you find a home and uh, eventually fell into final expense life insurance and did really well face to face. Thought I could do it over the phone. And really the rest is history after that. Final expense. That is a very difficult conversation at first, isn't it? You know, a lot of people think that think that it is, except that when you're with when you're talking with a stranger, 
it's much easier than actually talking to your loved ones. And so it, it, after a while, you just become kind of used to it and your customers begin to mirror just the nonchalantness of, listen, let's just talk about this because you're going you're gonna to have to talk about it someday anyways. Why not with me? Why not right now? I think a lot in in our in our world, um, people, you know, our our staff has has a hard time those first few conversations, just to get, just dipping their toe in the pool and having those conversations the first few times can be super difficult. How did you approach that? Like when you first got in, how did you kind of? Was it easy for you? Well, when you're broke, you'll do just about anything. For money. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I don't have the most chiseled body. So that wasn't an option. <laughs> so I really didn't have a choice, but I really, I was very quickly able to identify that I could either not have the conversation and substitute short-term comfort for long-term discomfort or just dive in and just have that awkward conversation be uncomfortable for like 30 minutes so that the the next 23 and a half hours i could like not worry you know what i'm saying and so yeah either way you're going to feel discomfort especially if you're in sales like it, it is uncomfortable so you just have to make a decision you're going to be either uncomfortable right now and and do this and make money or feel comfortable don't do it and then be uncomfortable when you go home and your wife's looking at you like, all right, you told me this was supposed to work out. And <laughs> yes. on- Come on, loser. Where's the money? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that doesn't ever work well. But, and, and we are far faster to move to avoid pain, right? So it's the pain of this discomfort right now versus the discomfort. Because I, I think there is no greater pain than the, than the pain that my wife can inflict upon me. Man. <laughs> no greater pain. We must be married to the same woman. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's, it's remarkable the amount of fear that she can instill upon me. <laughs> exactly. She's so nice. Everybody else will say, what are you talking about? She's so nice. Yeah, she is. To and you. I can say that. I can say that because I know she will never listen to this show. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us the truth, would you? <laughs> oh, she knows. Oh. Yeah. No, I don't know. She just felt a disturbance in the force. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what were you saying, Craig? Well, and so, so then from, from that, is this now still the specialty or have you branched and now, and now what are we doing? You know, I'm, I'm by nature, I'm a very unfocused person. And I think many entrepreneurs are, they, they have uh-huh. really, quick stents of success and then they jump to the next thing. And, and that's why you, a lot of people fail yeah. because it's, it's not that they're not good or they, that they can't do it. They're just not disciplined or can really be focused. So I knew for us to sustain like a real business, we needed to be ultra focused. So we still sell final expense. We sell with one carrier. We sell one product. We sell it one way and the whole process is streamlined so that all these other people who are like me um, don't go off into all these little rabbit trails. We just do it one way over the, I don't even know how to take an application face-to-face anymore. It's just over the phone. I love that. I mean, I think so many independent, we're part of captives, but um, I think so many independent agents try to be that shopper. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I, I mean, for my brain, that would be very difficult for me because I would be hard for me to, cause I'd want, I would need a process for each route to go yeah. down. And um, 
I mean, that's so cool that you've just narrowed and streamlined it like that. And Jason, where is the skill in, in being a shopper? That's right. Yeah. Where's the skill? Well, and think yeah. about who gets paid more in the marketplace. Is it the generalist or the specialist? Like Always the specialist. Exactly. And so uh, we have just found us specializing in this one really tiny niche in the industry. Um, we've been able to be successful at it. And there's nobody that's, there's people that kind of dabble in it, but there's nobody that's really just dove in all the way to make it happen. Do you know what they say is in the niches? Riches? The riches are in the niches. That's true. (laughs) One of of the guys that we bring on that does a video, uh, a lot of video marketing, Todd Hartley, talks about that all the time. Yeah. Um, You know, the riches are in the niches. He actually says ma, and then he uses another word at the end, but uh, say that. we won't say that no. we're rated G. <laughs> so, so let's, let's talk about that. So as you've scaled, I would, I would assume at the beginning, there was a little bit more chaos than there is now. Right. And you, you develop these processes. How, how was that journey? What was that like when you realized, Oh, wow, this is crazy. We're getting good at it, but it's a mess. Well, I grew up around entrepreneurs. My okay. family, Integrated here from Israel, and um, I grew up in the back of a restaurant. So my mother and my father, my grandparents, they were all in the restaurant business. And like I swore on my life, I would never <laughs> own my own business uh, because they, they, they were they were slaves to their business. Like they could not everything revolved around their business. And so um, when I went got into business, I knew like at a very young age. I, mean, I got in the insurance business when I was twenty years old that I was not going to sacrifice my life, my, my time with my future family, my future wife, my future. I just was not going to do that because I just saw what that did to my family. So as we began building this out, which by the way, I built it with my family, um, we, we knew very quickly that we needed to create the process, find a competent person, give them that responsibility, and then continue to build a system so that the business begins to serve us as opposed to us serving the business. And so now it's very, very self-sufficient. The business runs itself and there's a management team that does all the work. And then, you know, we just play figurehead and, you know, just the statesman that walks through the office and says hi to people. That's awesome. And how long did it take you to get there? And and when did you, when did you open your agency and, um, tell us a little bit of the hurdles getting it to where you are now. So we started uh, selling over the phone in about uh, this would have been in 08. And then okay. in 2012, we got we sold out and joined a larger firm in St. Louis and um, we moved our entire management staff from Dayton, Ohio to St. Louis, Missouri. Um, wow. in, in 2015, we bought out the owners and um, scaled it up very, very large from there. So now uh, we are in a 120,000 square foot facility with 1,200 cubicles. Everybody wow. only selling final expense over the phone or playing a role in that process. So, wow. I, there's <laughs> no way that that was easy. Um. <laughs> it's easy. It's easy when you only are doing one thing. Mm. You know, if 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 I can create a lead, 
present, sell, and service. If I can do that, and then I find somebody who can create the lead, and then I find somebody who can make the sale, someone to close the sale, someone to service the sale, and that process works, then it's just about duplicating that process over and over again. And what, so- what about? What about even before that, when you took your team like that, through that journey, that's incredible. You took your team to a whole different state, relocated them. Um, you had to have a great relationship with your team to have those conversations and make that work. Well, remember, most of them were my family at that time. Uh, okay. <laughs> so it wasn't that difficult because it was a decision. <laughs> Although we did have many of our management staff who were not blood related to us, who we still counted as family, move to St. Louis with us. Um, but when you build a company that serves a higher purpose and that has a mission, you know, those conversations aren't that difficult. Like they just fall, you just gotta stick true to what those core values are. And as long as you don't compromise those, people will do anything for you and you would do anything for them. So when you're creating that team atmosphere, those tough decisions are actually the easiest ones. We have more, we spend more time talking about like where do we place hand sanitizer around this place as opposed to how are we going to hire a hundred people? You know what I mean? Like that yeah. is the easy stuff. It's the little stuff. That's like, you know, who cares? Like, why are we still talking about this? Uh, <laughs> that, that become cumbersome. Yeah. Culture, it. right. Culture is so important. Yeah. So building out that, but, but, but let's, I do want to talk it to the process and, and how a little bit of that is done without maybe giving away all your secret sauce. But, but first, let's talk about the culture and, and sitting down and developing those core values, all of the things that make the organization what it is. How important is that? Because I, I think there's so many agencies that just run by the seat of their pants. They, it's, it's you know, chicken with a head cut off all day long. And those aren't going to scale. So how does that look? What, do they, what things do you do to make that happen and really put the, the, the spotlight on that? I mean, you live it, you live and die by your core values and your core values can't be like, I'm just going to call them stupid ones like honesty and integrity. <laughs> like, okay, McDonald's requires that. Like the guy that's making sandwiches has to, has to be honest. And so that's not a really, that's not a core value. So our core values specifically spell out team, T-E-A-M, trust, enthusiasm, advancement, and money. That means everyone that works in my organization has to trust me. I have to trust them with the trust the process. Everybody has to advance. You have to be getting better either with your position or with your skill set. Everyone has to be enthusiastic. You have to have a contagious energy. So when you come into the office, everyone's happy and joyful. And then money. We think money is a good thing. Money is a tool that can be used for good things. And we should want more of that. Before you even step foot in my office, Everyone is taking a predicted index, making sure that it's even worth our time to have an interview with them because they have to fall in line with the core values. That's the prerequisite. Their previous accomplishment and current skill set comes second to those core values. So core values first, then the interview, and then we manage only based off of our core values. And so if someone's not hitting numbers, I don't approach them and say, hey, you're not hitting your sales quota for the month. It's, hey, I trusted you to follow through with the training and now you're not doing that. Help me to understand that. Or, hey, you're not hitting your quota and we have a standard of how much money you have to make at this company and you're not hitting that uh, bullseye. So help me understand how we're going to get you making the money that we promised each other we would be making here. So the conversation becomes almost third party-ish because it's mm. not holding you accountable. It's right. 
you accountable to what you agreed to before you started working here? Yeah, it's not Darth Vader beating up the stormtrooper because because he doesn't know how to shoot the gun the right way. It's it's like, hey, look, this is the way that we do it. You agreed on it. I agreed on it, and you set you set those expectations up front. Correct. How much easier is that, that conversation, right? Like it, it's a magnitude more powerful. And I mean, the, the conversations, it actually what happens is, is people begin to approach leadership and say, hey, I want you to know I let you down. And this is what mm. I'm gonna fix this. Because they know that it's coming anyways. Because you to run an organization that's so streamlined, you have to have high standards. And so the people know, like when they're one minute, they could be not late for a whole year. If you're one minute late, someone's gonna say something. Somebody is good. It's not going to be rude. It's not going to be inappropriate or pushy or micromanaging. It's going to be like, hey, I just want to check up on you because you, you didn't let me know you're going to be a little late today. Is everything okay? Okay, great. Everything's fine. Perfect. And that's it. I mean, that's the conversation. Just checking up on you. But they know it's coming. So typically what happens is they go to their leader and say, hey, I'm a minute late. Just want you to know I just had a flat, but I'm, I'm here now. Awesome, man. Let's get to work. Like those conversations happen every day. And it keeps everyone on the same page. And it, it cultivates that family environment that we feel like is really, really important to weather any kind of volatility that could take place within the industry, kind of like what we're dealing with right now. Love it. So um, how is everybody, how are you approaching that? Oh man, this, this has been, and I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, uh, melodramatic here, but this has been the best thing that's happened to us. Oh, for, yeah, for business-wise? Absolutely. We moved everybody out of our office. We have uh, eight locations, the largest one being in St. Louis. Within 48 hours, everybody, if you're talking 350 people in total, moved to their homes. Uh, leads continued to generate. Our lead cost plummeted because I have no competition yep. right now. Customers have urgency. Customers see the need. They feel the need. They want to act now. And... Um, our people are on fire because they're working and now there's no excuses like, Oh, well, my kid's sick. I have to go pick them up from school. It's like, well, you're now your kid's at home too. So you might as well just put in a couple extra hours. So uh, last week we broke a record yesterday. We, we hit an all time record for sales in a day. It's, it's been, we've been very, very, very blessed uh, to be in this specific market during this time. And we've had this conversation with a few other people and I have um, offline with a lot of other businesses um, minus the, uh, you know, the, you know, the, the horrible, uh, all, all the horrible stuff that's happening minus that the way this is going to change the landscape of business is going to be incredible. Yeah. Um, and the way the people approach this and, and just the way we, uh, handle things socially and through business. Um, what do you see? Um, I mean, are you going to maybe move more stuff remote? here on out and move stuff more online? Um, I, I'm, I'm a micromanager by design. And so I, I, although this is working really, really well, right now everybody's on house arrest and not because I want them to be on house arrest, but because the government says you have to stay home. So it is working for us now. Uh, but for me to think to have that many people working from home, salespeople, like Today's my first day working from home. I've taken four lunch breaks and I don't even like bologna. So, <laughs> so like, I don't even, it's just, it says it's, there's just some people that they're just not made for that. Most of my people that are just heavily, heavily paid on commission, it's, they want it to be conducive, but they know better. And so, um, 
it's just in the long, in the grand scheme of things, we're going to go back to our call center model without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, there's something about pe- people being around each other. That's, I mean, we have a tiny, tiny operation, but that same kind of call center type vibe, it's so infectious to be around. It's awesome. It is. It is. Um, Especially every time someone gets a sale at the office, we have a bell that rings. So if you're (laughs) one that's having a tough day, that bell begins to wear on you and irk you. And so you don't don't get that bell when you're at home. So there there is some... um, synergy that takes place when you you put a lot of like-minded people working together that really helps compress time and energy and just gets people going forward much faster what are some um oh craig you go i know you got some well i i'm I'm so curious about the training um how that looks because there's there's such a big barrier to entry in this world. People have to get licensed and different things, you know, regardless. And so if you don't have, especially at scale, if you don't have a really tight training process um, after that hiring process that also must be tight, then it can fall apart very easily. How have you micromanaged that? And what does it look like? Walk us through that. Yeah, we use a program called Lightspeed VT. This is the program that many sales trainers use. So like Tony Robbins, Grant Cardone, um, Brian Tracy, uh, Les Brown all have courses on there. And it's designed for, I would call gurus to put their content out there and then track people's progress. Well, we kind of repurpose that for our own purposes. Uh, So when they go through training, everything is video based. And me, or somebody that is as good as me is the only trainer and everyone trains at their own pace and they cannot move on in training unless they've watched a video and then taken a quiz that shows that they're, that they are competent in that one aspect of training. And then that opens up the next section of training. So everything, that's how everything goes like that within three days, we start role-playing with each other. So we're overseeing people role-playing. And then uh, by the fifth day, we're actually on the phones pitching customers. So they're making money huh. with us. That's awesome. That is, that is very interesting. And Five days. A lot of, yeah. Well, a lot of carriers have things, things constantly change, right? How things are done or the systems. And so when you're approaching it from that, I guess yours is probably pretty consistent or doesn't change or... Well, when you do $34 million with one carrier, you tell them what you want to change. <laughs> they don't make any changes for us. They don't. They right. don't. More leverage. There you go. More, more leverage from, from your standpoint because of being niched down. Yeah. And, and that's not to say, I don't say that to brag because there's many companies that are much larger than mine, but they spread their, their business over the course of 10 carriers. So they're writing mm. 3 million here, 1 million here. And when they call for help, it's like, well, you're kind of a nobody with us. So no, we're not going to make this one, one exception for you. Well, when I have all my eggs in that one basket, um, they pretty much do, they do, when I, when they print a policy, when they print a policy after I sell it, it has my address and my phone number for customer service. Because I told them their customer service sucks and they made it, it's harder, it's harder to change my bank account and make payments than it was to cancel my policy. And that just doesn't make sense to me. 
Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Calling to cancel and they'd bend over backwards to help them, but the customer wanted to change bank accounts and we had to fax over forms. So we told them, hey, listen, just put my phone number on there, put our address, let us handle, let us handle all your customer service stuff. They loved it because they don't have to, they don't have to train or recruit or hire people. And then we get to actually conserve our business as opposed to helping people cancel. So that one carrier relationship um, has been a really big key in this because we, we were able to get away with a lot of stuff that most carriers would not allow for. That's so cool, man. I love that. Um, so what would you say would be, I mean, going through this process, um, especially scaling to the size that you, that you are now, what, what are some of the best pieces of advice that you've gotten along your way that's really helped take you to that next level? Um, oh man, best pieces of advice. So I think for me, I've kind of sectioned off our journey into really four phases. Um, the, the first phase is where you're the worker. You know, I was the one doing all the work. Um, then I became the, um, the watchman. So I actually thought I had a business and I was watching all my workers and um, I actually made less money when I was doing that. Um, then I thought, well, let me just hire some more people. And I became the whipping boy because nobody knew what was going on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so through that worker, watchman, whipping boy, I, we finally, I finally came to the conclusion that we, I wanted to be hands-off. I wanted this thing to run itself. And that's, even though we had that purpose from the beginning, it, we, we've never seen this modeled before, especially in the insurance business, especially in my space where most people have like, they think that they should go out and go shopping for their clients and find the cheapest rates and find, you know, the best plan according to what they think the customer wants. And so then we've never seen something modeled on the life insurance side where I'm, I'm going in with one offer like that. So when we were able to finally, because there wasn't really a mentor for us, like there really wasn't a mentor, like there's literally nobody doing it. Um, we stuck to our guns and created a process. And now I tell everyone that we are, I'm in the wizardry phase right now, where I just get to watch magic happen. I mean, I get to see people show up to work and embrace each other and love each other and enjoy each other's company. And we get to do good things for the community and we get to help each other. And we get to just, take someone that's kind of down on their luck and give them an opportunity, show them how they can make 70 or 80 grand their first year realistically. To me, that's magical, man. And I think that's what entrepreneurship is all about is how do you create magic? Because I think too many people haven't really seen that kind of entrepreneurship modeled or executed. So we just all have this preconceived notion that, I have to be a slave to my business and you don't have to be a slave to your business. Your business should be a slave to you. Like my business bows down to me. I don't bow down for my business, which is extremely liberating. Um, as, but I wish I would have thought about that much earlier, um, which I, which I feel like I did, but because I was, we were so ultra focused on it, it's become much more magical than I could have ever really of a thought about and so my my biggest the biggest thing that i can take away 
and I'm not even sure where we came up with this along the way, but we have always said we need to put our people before profits, put our people before profits. And we've kind of stuck to that. Even when it was tight and rough, we always took care of our people. We've never laid off anybody. Of course, we fired people, but that's their, their fault, not mine. But we've never had to like do mass layoffs or furlough people. We've always put them before us. And that's paid us dividends. That, that, you can't watch that on a P&L. Those numbers don't make sense. I can just tell you magic happens when your people come first and they will help you grow your business. You don't have to do it all on your own. They will become evangelical for your cause because they really enjoy working for you. And we've been able to do that. And because of that, I'm, there's nothing that's, that, that we're worried about, the volatility in the market or the uncertainty or regulation, any of that stuff, because my people are going to bob and weave mm. what we say and they'll do so joyfully because they know we have their best interest in mind. That's awesome. Uh, you know, it seems like insurance agents or agency owners by nature are people pleasers, right? We want to make people happy. And for some reason, and maybe it's part of the culture of this country where more is better, right? So the, so if you're an independent, you're of the mindset, I need a million carriers so I can offer them so many options. If, if we're, um, if, if you're captive like us, instead of embracing that captivity, we get pulled in so many directions and we'll say, oh, well, I need to do commercial over here and I need to do, do this and I need to do this. When instead, if you just focused on the home and the auto or the home auto and life, you would maximize your, your, your payout, right? Your, your grids or whatever they're called with, with um, whom you're at. And it's, I don't know, it's just, it's just a, a fascinating, a fascinating uh, dynamic here, how you said, no, I have the opportunity where I could serve people in all different sorts of ways, but here's this niche and we're going to go after it that way. And I think that a lot of the independents or I'm, I'm sorry, well, any of the agents that are listening to this, that's a huge takeaway where they can really hone in and focus, especially as ADD as we are as yeah. evidenced by what I, how I'm talking right now. Well, and <laughs> The insurance, the insurance business is always the lagger. Like the, if you watch other industries, they're progressing, they're getting better with technology and we're still, we're still taking paper apps and having people delivering cash to our office, you know, <laughs> maybe you guys. And right. so yes. <laughs> ordered, ordered to do that. Yeah. So um, th that's just a very archaic way of doing business. And so, uh, my words of advice for anybody, whether you're captive or independent, is find a process that works and stick with the process. Like just follow through with the process. If we were to go open up like a fast food restaurant, okay, if we were to all go into business, like think about how many fast food restaurants that are mom and pop, you know, like McDonald's does not have the best hamburger, the juiciest, most tasty hamburger or the best French fries. What they have is the best system. And that's why you do not see McDonald's shutting down because the system duplicates itself. People don't go there for the food. They go there for the system. Well, much in the same way, any business can run that way. If you're efficient and streamlined, you put the customers first, they're taken care of, you're going above and beyond to service them, price comes second to that. You know, they're more mm. interested in, in enjoying the fruits of this process that's taking care of me as opposed to what is this going to cost me? My product that I sell is more expensive than probably 80% of the insurance, life insurance, final expense policies in the market. People used to make fun of us. I mean, for most of our tenure, we were like the laughing stock of the industry. What do you mean you only have one carrier? Oh, that carrier is horrible. 
you're, you're selling an overpriced policy. Why are you doing it over the phone? You're going to have high chargeback rate. And that's all we heard from everybody. But see, nobody was doing it. And so we were just, we didn't, no one knew any better. And we just kept, I don't know, maybe we're just idiots and just stumbled across it. I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> uh, we just knew, we just knew there had to be a better way. Um, and so we just stuck with our guns. Maybe well, we're- Consistency. You know, yeah. I mean, to, to your point, McDonald's is shitty. I haven't gone to a McDonald's in 10 years, right? <laughs> but if I went there, I know that Big Mac is going to taste exactly the same way that it was. And if, if there's some reason that I want that, I mean, I know what I'm going to get. And that's what people really like is to, is like, Hey, look, at least I know what I'm getting. And it's a bug. Right? You don't like their go. Egg McMuffins? I eh, do. I can't eat that. Dude, stuff. They're so good. I look at food and I already get bigger, so I can't eat that. <laughs> <laughs> <Make> my heart <laughs> explode. <laughs> but the consistency, oh. you know, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what we're lacking. And in this whole people pleaser mentality is, well, they said that I needed to do this. So I go do this instead of, and then they're the slave to the business instead of, Oh no, that isn't uh, sorry, but that isn't how it's done here. Let me yeah. explain how it is done. That's right. Walking through that. Like you can't go to McDonald's and say, Hey, I want the sushi. No, we, we don't have the sushi, right? <laughs> we have this really crappy Big Mac and this is what you're going to get for your dollar. Right. I mean, yes. you don't like a Big that? Mac. No, get it away from me. Oh, but did you like it back in the day? I like a chicken burrito. right here. There you go. <laughs> that's funny well what what um i'm sure there's a lot of agents that reach out to you for advice uh what what do you um what's the best piece of advice that you could give somebody that's new in the industry that you think they need to hear um coming into it uh advice questions yeah pick pick the mentor over the money don't find who's paying you the most find the guy that's done it and follow him and uh, mm. we'll do that backwards most of the time. Love it. That is a yeah. great one. There, take Russell Brunson, who has created the system to do the things for everybody. And all, it's, he doesn't talk about, here's the new thing. Just mm-hmm. model what that guy's doing. I mean, he uses right. the model instead of copy. But at the end of the day, it's, it's like, look, everything's been thought of and everything's been invented. That's right. Why, you're not creating something new by just come, by uh, repackaging or whatever. Just just model something out there. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much. I mean, this has been awesome. Um, I love your acronym too. I I might have to steal that. That's so <laughs> good. No, you're gonna model it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're oh, model gonna, it. Yeah, there you model go. Model that. <laughs> run, run through the the what the letters stand for again, because I think that's really. Is, is going to be a huge takeaway. We might throw that in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, trust, mm-hmm. enthusiasm, advancement, and money. People have to try, I have to trust my employees. They have to trust me. We have to trust the process. Advancement. We need to be getting better either with our position through promotions or through our skill set. Um, I'm sorry. I, I spelled them wrong. T and then E, which is enthusiasm, contagious energy. You have to be happy uh-huh. to work okay a advancement getting better whether with with your job growing with the company or your skill set and then money money is a good thing it can be used for good things we should want more of it and those concepts are integrated within the aesthetics of the office and so not only is it something we live by and something that we do we don't have like a poster that just says team it's like everywhere like my training room is called the advancement zone 
my conference room is called the money room. So everything is, it's all integrated within our facility. So you can't find a corner and not be reminded of one of our four core values. Love it. it. Follows in that, that pillar. That's right. So, so cool. let, let's say there's an agent that doesn't do this because this isn't their specialty. How are they going to find you? Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash NorthStarIA or NorthStarIA.com. There it is. We'll put awesome. that in the show notes. Ms. Awesome. Ms. Awesome advice. <laughs> Mizzy was in the hizzy. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun, guys. Thanks so yeah. much. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you uh, joining the insurance dudes. Thanks again, man. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Hey, you've got to check out the Insurance Dudes Inner Circle coming soon where you get extended interviews as well as live coffee talks in our private Facebook group. Join the mailing list today at theinsurancedudespodcast.com. Hey, thanks for checking out the Insurance Dudes. Hey, please subscribe. We got some really great stuff coming out.